0: Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. This is Michael Jans, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and delighted to be your podcast host. Today, I want to welcome you to this episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Fuse. Fuse is the insurance marketing software that will help you skyrocket your retention, boost your policies per customer, make your clients love your agency without you having to hire more staff and programmers or technologists. If you haven't done it lately, visit agencyrevolution.com and request a demo of the software agents and brokers are raving about today. Well, I do want to welcome you to this episode with an encore return guest, my friend Mike Becker, CEO of the National Association of Professional Insurance Agents, commonly known as the PIA. The reason that... I felt that this was an important conversation now is because they literally just released the findings of the annual survey that the PIA conducts in conjunction in collaboration with ALM, which you would know as National Underwriter PC360, and we cover uh, a number of very interesting and, I think, important points about what you might call the state of the industry as reported by the independent agent. So Mike shares um, what agents are saying now about issues like technology and the adoption of technology, about how technology can be used to create trust with the marketplace. And there's a fairly dramatic shift in agent sentiment about that. Um, We talk about agent growth, how much agencies grew last year, um, uh, and some did and some did not, um, and also um, what their plans are to increase growth in the coming year, how they'll grow. We also talked about, um, hopefully now, as the pandemic is winding down, I know we've said that before, how the agency has changed and the state of the industry has changed, largely because of COVID. Uh, And it has. Um, And some of those changes are measurable, again, as reported by the independent insurance agent. Uh, And also, what agents um, are planning to do as the pandemic winds down. And that's a a fairly serious question, uh, particularly among other things in regards to the, um, the management of talent uh, and the workforce and where the workforce works. A lot of agents are reporting a, f- I think a fairly uh, different vision of uh, their agency and their workforce than they would have imagined two years ago. They also were reporting a fairly dramatic change uh, at least some of them in terms of their adoption of technology and then we also cover Um, fairly serious, um, the biggest challenges that agents uh, feel that they're addressing right now in their agency. So, without further ado, it's my privilege to invite you to listen to this conversation with the CEO of the National PIA, Mike Becker. Mike Becker, thank you so much for joining us again for a repeat performance.
1: I am pleased to be back. It's always good to talk with you. Yeah,
0: it's good to talk to you, too. Um, so, well, for those who don't know you as well as I do, Mike, if you could introduce yourself.
1: Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I'm Mike Becker. I'm the CEO of the National Association of Professional Insurance Agents. And uh, just last year, actually, we celebrated our 90th anniversary of serving a uh, our independent agent members across the country. So we have independent agent members in all 50 states, Puerto Rico uh, and Guam, and uh, we serve about over 7,000 agencies, which is about 35,000 agents and agency personnel through uh, our national office here in the Washington, D.C. area and through our 26 state and regional affiliates around the country.
0: Um. Well, PIA. Yeah, it is a thing. It is an organization I know a thing or two about. Uh, <laughs> oh, so uh, congratulations to you on on um, the, uh, the ongoing success of the association. So, Mike, um, as you know, um, one of the reasons that I wanted to speak with you now is because the PIA um, has recently released its joint survey. Um, and joint with, uh, it, I would consider it ALM, but I guess is, is, is it PC 360, is that the property or is it national underwriter or both?
1: You name it all, it's, it's ALM media, but most folks would know it as national underwriter, which is the print, uh, publication, but also, uh, property casualty 360 or PC 360, which are some of the, uh, email or uh, online digital versions. The online
0: that, that version. Um, And so for a number of years, you have um, delivered a kind of a state of the union, Um, listening to what the agent has to say about how things are going. And so, boom, I I think that is really, really recently released. Uh, It may have been somewhat influenced by the um, InsurTech Leadership Advisory Board, which I had the honor to serve on for a while last year or the last few years. Um, so let's, let's take a look at it. Um, I'm not sure where you want to start with this There's a, you guys covered a lot of ground in this survey.
1: We do. So, um, you know, Alan media, um, and Alana Jefferson in particular, they've been great partners with us Indeed. and we're able to combine, mm-hmm. uh, combine our, our resources here and, and provide some agent intelligence to them, but also they have great insights into the industry. And one of the things that we've tried to do over the years, we've done this for several years, is, is overlap some questions year over year to identify trends, but also talk about emerging topics. So we're identifying some new topics that, that are coming that we might want to do deeper dives into uh, in future years. But one of the first things that we always ask is, who are you? Uh, so I will tell you out of the gate, um, you know a lot of who uh, we reach out to are agency principals, um, national literator, PC 360 has some list too. Uh, so to, to understand, and maybe we just talk about that just for a minute, as we get into these results, who did we hear from? Um, so probably not a shocking surprise if you pay much attention to this industry that, uh, we had a pretty experienced, uh, <laughs>
0: group of red I saw that. Um, I saw, uh, I, yes. I, I saw that. Oh, these are people with a lot of experience. Um, as I recall, right. um, on the quick seventy five, yeah,
1: yeah, seventy five percent had more than twenty years.
0: Um, and seventy five percent were fifty or over, right. So they're yeah. you know a little long on the tooth, and and there were actually quite a few that were over sixty five.
1: There were uh, about thirty percent of the overall respondents were women, which had been an increase. We we're pleased to see that. Uh, About two-thirds of them, just about two-thirds, hair shy, were uh, agency principles, which contributes in large part to, I think, uh, the the overall age. And then, you know, agency principles, what type of agencies are we talking about? These are largely, you know, these are retail shops. They're, you know, largely 50% personal, 50% commercial lines, uh, standard markets, overwhelmingly. Uh, is who we were talking to in this survey.
0: Yeah, this uh, it did strike me that this is your main street agency. Now I'm not sure if there was a, a, a clear delineation between urban, suburban, and rural.
1: No, we solicited responses from all over the country, okay. and what you're seeing is an aggregate of those responses. Uh, you know, of course, they can be sliced and diced by those sorts of demographics, but this is an aggregation of agents from all four corners of the country.
0: All right. Um, well, as I read the survey, there were a few things that popped out at me, Mike, but uh, I want to turn it to you first. What what um, caught your attention?
1: You know, we've been spending, a lot of things call my attention, and I look forward to getting into them with you today. But one of the things that really jumped out to me is we have for years been talking about mergers mm-hmm. and acquisitions and you know, the, it, we're beginning of 2022 and we, we're looking at the announced transactions for 2021, which has been, I think, over 800 now, which was double-digit growth over 2020. So I look at things, um, particularly in these surveys, you know, certainly the demographics <laughs> of agents, where are agents headed? Are they, you know, are they looking for uh, perpetuation uh, opportunities in front of them? But one of the things that just stood out to me is that when an agency goes through some sort of M&A transaction, the outcome varies and it can vary greatly by agency. And and some of these agencies um, post-transaction into a new buyer are able to maintain their local feel and presence and name and control and management. And still sponsor the little league team and so forth. Well, the next agent may go into a different buyer and not have that experience. They might feel like they lose control and they are not on Main Street anymore. And so one of the things that struck out to me was the differentiators. In this survey, we asked agents, what are your differentiators? And in this particular question, there was numerous options and you could select as many as you felt applied to your scenario. And overwhelmingly the top two it's 85% and 83% were relationship and service. And I, I, I agree with that. I, I was pleased that, you know, rates were not at the top. Rates came in at number seven at 24%, by the way. But I, I, I feel so strongly in the role of the independent agent and, and the expertise and consultation and relationship that they bring. But it stood out to me. Because I feel like this is, uh, you know, this intersection of the M&A activity where some agents, I think, feel like they, they might lose that in an M&A uh, transaction, while others have been able to continue and build upon those differentiators. That, that really kind of stood out to me just in light of the larger conversations that we're having as an industry.
0: Well, OK, you raised a couple of points, and I want to drill into one of them for a moment. Uh, obviously, we're seeing uh, more M&A and um, and the vast majority of the m and a is not one agency buying the guy down the street the way it was, you know, let's say twenty years ago. Now it's a private equity firm buying both of them. Um, and, and I think you're telling at least the anecdotes that are coming forward are uh, some are really quite pleased with their uh, new relationship, and some are not because they've lost. Oh, that culture and maybe the style and the manner in which they ran their agency, and they still have some obligation to stay there for the earnout. Um, so, a couple of questions. Uh, the first one is uh, presumably um, that has to do with the firm that they chose to have a relationship with, yes? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So, people, yeah. So, without naming names here, people should be aware that um th- th- sometimes there's more to it than the terms of the agreement that's number 1 uh, that my my other yeah my other question for you mike is um as we move forward you know extrapolate that trend over the next let's say 2 years 3 years 5 years uh, at some point do you see that that conceivably could change the nature of this very industry.
1: Yeah. You mentioned a couple of things yourself. One is that these PE firms are coming in and, and that is true. About two thirds of the transactions are PE backed, but there are, uh, you know, some of the largest agencies out there, if you will, are, are privately owned and they might have 100 or 500 or more, you know, agency partners, but they're still privately owned. Um, and some of them have you know, the hybrid models. So P is a big, a big part of this. Um, but when, to get to the point of, you know, your comment about it, who, if you're looking to sell, who's your buyer? There have been, you know, for ages, this closely held model of internal perpetuation, and that is being challenged. And for an agency that's going to look at potential selling opportunities I think the first thing you know that agency needs to do is is define your objectives. It's like any other business plan. What do you want to do? You know, some want to sell and retire and get out. Some want to stay part of the the agency, and if so, how long do you want to be part of that agency? Um, some still want the family, you know, internal perpetuation. The second part of that is once you define those objectives, it's it's what are your options and there might be you know buyout options there might be mergers there might be acquisitions and part of that's going to be understanding in part the culture of that buyer out there but you know we talked early on you know a few minutes ago about the demographics of this survey and the aging agent population and right now there's a um, a number of you know opportunities and I, you know I was asked recently what's kind of what is the reason for all this mA activity and I said I don't think there is a reason there are a number of factors that are contributing to this and at its most basic you know level um the demand is outweighing the supply here you know which <laughs> well, is driving up the purchase we, price we, and there's we, other favorable <laughs> we
0: we have an old um an old industry you know an aging industry um there is um a um, oceans of cheap capital and right. Uh, it's an industry that's been discovered as being a recurring revenue industry which is you know for for the private equity it. firm you gotta love it right i mean it's like almost like selling a technology firm um and so so now we have you know they're not just like three or four m a firms or private equity firms hanging around they're 20 that are really of substantial size so I, again on that question you know if 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 this trend um, continues and you extrapolate that out for a while. And so do you think at some point the industry uh, looks different or behaves differently when it's no longer locally owned?
1: You know, I think in large, you know, part of my answer to that question is yes. But again, it, it looks and feels different in the future for a lot of different reasons and one of them is, I think, technology and efficiencies. And I've had conversations and been uh, fortunate to, to be, uh, you know, part of panels and so forth where I'm hearing, you know, really brilliant people talk about the role of the agent, you know, it's been threatened for so many decades that the agent's going away and that's, that hasn't happened. But I think what has happened and will continue to happen through MA activity, but also through technology is maybe what that agent does changes a little bit. Maybe the workflows change a little bit. What I think um, particularly the MA activity and, and some other factors too, what I think they signal is great confidence in this channel. And we're seeing a couple carriers uh, that haven't traditionally been in the independent agent channel come into it now. We're seeing the you know some PE financing come into or seeing because there's faith in and there's confidence in this. And what I would hope to see is that we're able to build on our strengths our relationship, you know, our expertise, uh, what we bring to the table. And, and part of that, we're able to, to build on, you know, the efficiencies of digital tools and we're able to really, really um, grow our expertise and how we service our clients. That's what, so, we, we, you know, down the road, if you continue to run this data, do we look different? Yeah, I think we look a lot better. I think oh, okay. We're,
0: All right. Well, um, here's 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 my concern. Uh, I'm I'm just going to, I'm going to, cause I'm, and then we'll move on. All right. But I want to just put something on the table. So having been purchased by private equity and having clients who have been purchased by private equity, um, uh, there's an observation uh, that if, if the business model of the private equity firm is to grow it and flip it, and if they have a um, fund lifetime of, let's say, five years, well, very quickly that becomes four years and three years and two years. And the, it, uh, so if the model is merely based on acquisitions and is a financial play, I think there's potentially a longer term problem because um, innovation requires an investment and it requires time. And sometimes that, that like I said, that five-year fund term, you know, the term of that fund. Well, they, if, if that's the average term, then they, the, the current average PE fund is two and a half years. That's not a lot of time to be making um, investments in innovation. And that's, that's my concern. And so um, that's a conversation I have with the private equity industry. And they're doing just fine. I know that some of them view themselves more like a holding company and have um, have their model and their vision is to stay with it over the long term. I think from a this may not matter to a seller. It matters to me because of my long term interest in the industry and not owning an agency. Um, The industry, I think the industry will get better as those firms um, and of course, they're going to get bitter, uh, bigger and there'll be more of them as they make investments in improvement.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, first off, all, all of them are not PE backed. There are like I just, you know, Fair just enough. Right. Like some of the biggest ones are privately owned still. And they, if you ask them, you know, what type of business model are you, they will tell you we're an independent agency. We have many locations, you know, and maybe they, they look and act a little bit different than what you might consider your average, you know, four to six employee, four to six million dollar premium agency. Um, but, you know, my concern, I think there's, I gen, generally try to be, I'm very pragmatic. I try to be as optimistic as I can and in turn challenges into opportunities. But my concern with the rapid pace of change that we're seeing is just that. That this is very rapid pace of change, um, and that can create unintended consequences. And when you also look at the rapid pace of change, and you couple that with, um, you know, I want I'm going to call it kind of this, you know, looming mass exodus of, of our institutional knowledge. We're going to lose just that. You know, we're losing incredible amounts of institutional knowledge. There's going to be some unintended consequences. A lot of our closely held traditional models are being challenged. Uh, And, you know, as I shared with you previously, there are some scenarios where you had these local, I'm going to call them Main Street agencies that really thrived on what we showed, talked about in the survey on the relationship part and the expertise part and the servicing part that lose, lose, um, you know, that level of control and decision making. I do think those are concerns and, and challenges that we need to be mindful of. But I think in general... You know over the years even like you know if you just go back five years or ten years and when we were talking you and i even you know all of us talking about technology and the need to adopt technology and tech you know digital solutions for agencies you know in these earlier conversations that we've had we're talking about the new consumers this is what the, these you know 20 and 30 year olds that are that are buying homes now this is what they expect well you know i, I think the more senior populations are now doing everything online too. They're buying on Amazon and they're streaming on Netflix now. And that is that's just the changing business landscape. And, you know, insurance, if we're being really honest, Michael, not a, typically the cutting edge of, of, of change and technology. Right. And I think uh, it, it's uncomfortable, but well, we've got to keep pushing forward and, and evolving with, today's and tomorrow's customers.
0: Well, let's dive into the survey because I think it says a few things about how the industry is responding. Um, right. All right, because uh, you know you're not gonna get any argument from me about technology and, I, and I, right. I, I do not believe every technology is good. I do not believe that every piece of technology is um, well-designed or well-executed. Um, And I do believe that there are certain technologies that look really good, but really um, don't deliver on their promise. Um, But that being said, of course, you know, I've spent a great deal of my career in technology. And I believe that when it's appropriately designed and applied, um, it has uh, it has a leverage effect that's unavailable anywhere else. So
1: we saw that in this survey. In fact, when we asked. The agents, hey, what were some of the challenges, or what are some of the challenges with adopting new technologies? One of the responses, it was 19%. So almost one out of five respondents said there's no clear ROI on it. And when we get open comments on this survey, their agents have not been shy to say, look, I've been oversold. I took, you know, was sold, you know, the this silver bullet solution and it didn't work, or it didn't integrate. We weren't properly trained. Um, so, yeah, there's some, there's some challenges with some But
0: of one out of five is, is not bad. If four out of five is thinking that there's an ROI, sure. it's one out of five. They're really not saying there's no benefit from technology or there's no ROI on technology. It's just that there's no ROI on their use of the technology. So,
1: No you know. Well, in technology, is, it means something different to everybody. And you can talk to one agent and technology is going to mean that they did a Zoom meeting with a, you know, their staff yesterday, and that was the most technologically advanced thing they did all week. Whereas the next one is talking about SEO searches and hygiening their data and on cloud-based solutions and workflows. It means something, something different to everybody. But you know, the change, the challenges, um, the question we asked on on what challenges do you have when adopting new technologies. One of the positive things is there was no 70%, 80%, 90% all agreed that these are the challenges. They were all really a third of respondents or less said things like training or staff or cultural resistance. The numbers, the, the percentage of respondents that listed some technologies were relatively low, which is good. So I think we're seeing improvements there. hmm
0: Okay. Um, well, here's one that kind of blew my mind. In a good way, uh, and it l- largely because in previous years it blew my mind in a bad way. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, right. And well, I I was pretty vociferous about this um, at at the um, in tech leadership advisory board. It's like seriously, um, but I th- apparently could be. We could maybe thank COVID for this. There's been a tremendous acceleration in understanding the potential. So um, I, the question was roughly, do you believe that digital technologies can enhance trust? And in previous years, it was like, I don't remember the exact number, Mike, but it was like 70% no. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I can understand how people could, could not know how to do it. I get that. They weren't trained in it. You know, it's like, yeah, they 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 know everything there is to know about insurance. They just don't know very much about how to create relationships and deepen relationships through technology. Now, here we are in 2022, and 70% said yes. I thought, my goodness, I've never seen a, such a rapid flip in all my life.
1: Uh, that more than stood out to me as well. Um, and I think the crux of that question was not, you know, do you believe in using technology or anything? It, it was specific to, can you use technology to build trust? Right. Can you use it to even the relationship between agent and, <laughs> and customer? And you're right. It was almost a full swing. I, you know, I think it was about, I want to say about 77% said no in prior years. Mm-hmm. And now we're at 70%. I mean, almost a full swing saying, yes, right. you can build trust in it. And yeah, shocking was an understatement. And I think everyone, you know, your your hand was forced during COVID. I know there's COVID fatigue. We asked far less COVID questions this year than we had in the past because yeah. of COVID fatigue. But I think an outcome.
0: Um, <laughs> the COVID, COVID fatigue is so bad, you can't ask as many questions about it. Okay. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, but the, and we, we asked a question on this, which we can talk about, but I think te- technology was, first off, it was accelerated. The adoption of technology was accelerated with COVID and there was uh, pretty good growth, uh, in the industry and through the respondents here. Uh, so if we're seeing that, Hey, I use technology, I grew, we were working remote. I think that had to have had an impact on agents who said, you know what? Hey, I can do this to connect with my customers and build trust mm-hmm. and have a relationship.
0: Well, um, hey, I'm I'm tempted to say that the 30% who don't believe the technology can increase trust are that over 65 group, but I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> smart, <laughs> smart, right? Okay. Um, but that said, uh, l- let's dive into that COVID question. There was there was a question about whether uh, people uh, felt that COVID accelerated the adoption of technology. Wasn't that it? In my recollection, uh, it was pretty dramatic.
1: It was, uh, you know, it was about 69% said yes.
0: Said yes. uh, I rounded it up. uh, I'm I'm looking at my notes. 70% said COVID accelerated the use of technology.
1: That's amazing. Voice of optimism right there. I love it. Yeah, and I think um, specifically it was about, somewhere about 14, 15% said, yeah, supercharged, the adoption. Right. Um, and that's, I mean, that was the, the world we lived in. Right. And some of us, you know, some parts of the country are, are, are still in and, um, yeah, agencies are, are using more and more. And that's in a lot of cases, that's here to stay that the agents are going to continue to, to, uh, in some cases work remote or work hybrid, they're going to continue to use these technologies. They're going to continue to keep them in place. Uh, and, and, uh, I think as you look at some of the other results, you're going to continue to build
0: relationship with them and grow the agency. Okay. So my, my, uh, so let's stick with the COVID question uh, for a moment and how it's impacted this industry. My recollection, I'm looking at my notes, um, that roughly 58% indicated that um, after the pandemic, they would uh, continue to um, uh, observe or uh, permit uh, more remote work than they did before. Some um, all remote, like they're willing to, like, I think it was about 16%. Is that right? You can work we're from we're uh, willing to say work from anywhere. That's um, right. and, but then if you combine those with the ones who said, yeah, we're, we're going to do more remote, like a hybrid version, it was close to percent. right? Put them both together. Yeah. It's about 60%. That's That's,
1: exactly that's right. pretty
0: dramatic. And as I recall, oh, so this is another one that really blew my mind. Um, 31 percent, roughly, indicated that they felt COVID increased sales. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure how, um, other than the fact that perhaps if it pushed them into technologies, that could explain the increase in
1: sales. Right. Um, Yeah, 66 two-thirds saw increased um, production, So, you know, we're talking about, you know, when you put put all of this together, we're seeing, you know, numbers that support, you know, accelerated technology adoption um, through means that included complete, you know, either hybrid work or work from anywhere. And the end result um, was increased sales, uh, increased growth, and the differentiators. That make me special and make me successful are relationship and service. So it, it's one heck of a recipe that I'm not sure five or ten years ago, or fifteen years ago, you know, we thought we'd be having this conversation. But I think the you know COVID forced uh, forced agencies into all of us into you know an, an unknown. And this just shows that for years and years and years, PIA has talked about the resilience of agents. In fact, the title of, of the analysis of this service uh, survey is called Can Do.
0: Oh, right. Agents can have a can do attitude.
1: attitude. And, and this just demonstrates that in the, you know, in the wake of this unbelievable turbulent time, agents adapted and evolved. And you know, they're saying they're coming out stronger than they were before.
0: Uh, well, indeed, some of them are. So let's take a look at this in terms of, of growth. Um, more than twenty percent of the respondents indicated that they grew more than ten percent. Right. I, I don't know how that compares, but you know that that's, that's good. I, I'd love to know how many grew more than twenty percent, but twenty percent of them grew more than ten percent, and, and 24% of them grew were six, six to seven. ten. Right. So right. 44, 45, almost 45 percent of the industry grew more than six percent. Um, OK, that's that's a that's good. Now, the, also, some did not. Some did just the opposite. Right. Um, but overall, as I recall, more grew than did not grow.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned this a minute ago when we had previously talked in years past about how does this merge together with technology? In years past, we were much more prone to hear, I can't adopt technology because of you know, the unknown cost. Where do I begin? Too many unknowns. And as I mentioned you know, a few minutes ago, those challenges, the percentage of respondents that said these are all challenges, were far less than what we had traditionally seen in uh-huh. the survey. Yeah. Um, and what was interesting is, it seems that we're finding, you know, some more unity on some of the real specific uh, concerns or, you know, uh, needs in the industry. So we used to, in other words, we used to find here's, we all, you know, all the you know agents agree on these are major challenges with adopting technology. Those have been reduced, but now what we're seeing is agents saying, yeah, we're adopting it. We're doing well with it. And these are a couple of things that we would like to have to, to further our game and fu- further our you know, ability, things like e-cig or, you know, downloadable forms would, you know, we have to have those on our websites, which a lot of agents do. Um, you know, now we're talking about data security because so many more agents are, are using data, hygiene data and, you know, concerned with keeping data safe. Um, so it, it's really changed the conversation from, <clears throat> here's why I can't get into technology to, Hey, we're in it. This is how, this is, these are our needs now to help us evolve and and keep up with the evolution of the industry. So that's encouraging in and of itself that we've seen the conversation switch.
0: Um, All right. Let's look at the flip side here. Uh, Agents reported on their biggest challenges. Um, Based on conversations I have with my own clients, I'm not a bit surprised that as I recall, (laughs) The, the biggest challenge that was reported was uh, finding and maintaining talent.
1: Yes. Um, and that is, that is tough. We have, um, you know, we've put out a PIA a toolkit for this to, you know, that's a three-part program to, to help, you know, agents make sure that when you do go out and hire talent, that, you know, one of the first things you, you need to do is, is look in the mirror and make sure that you have a place where, you know, uh, somebody wants to work, that's enticing culture and it uses technology and um, it has, you know, benefits uh, such as, you know, maybe hybrid work environment, that sort of thing, you know, um, that makes you a competitive employer. Um, and then, you know, we've talked about, it, this is tough, right? Especially with this mass exodus uh, of um, the workforce here, but we've, you know, we have partnerships that help agencies find the talent and one of the most important things, you know, first is, is evaluating your own culture, making sure you're a, you're a competitive employer. The second part is getting those employees in, and that third part is keeping them. It's proper onboarding and education and, and mentoring to to keep them part of that agency. But this is um, this is a. a major challenge for the industry that is not going away, particularly as we look at the, the overall age of agency principles and the M&A activity right. is going to continue and arguably get worse before it gets better.
0: A uh, challenge for a lot of industries, no doubt, but I think you uh, hit the nail on the head on a couple of points. One is just like, you know, if, if we want to grow our business, we want to grow our agency, let's say, we've got to be able to answer that question to a Customer, why should I do business with you above any and all other options? Now more than ever, it seems that agency principals, agency leaders, need to be able to answer the same question for prospective employees. I've, I I've got a lot of choices, folks. Um, why should I go there? In fact, some of my choices allow me to live in my cabin in Vermont while I'm working for a company in Colorado. Why should I go down and work in, you know, um, Red Bank, New Jersey at your, you know, agency in the strip mall. Right. And so there is, I think there really is a challenge to the insurance industry to be modern. Yeah. and, And a challenge to every single agency principal and leader to create a culture that's worthy of the best employees. Really, you know, it's like um, recruiting, you know, there there are ways to recruit people, right? I mean, there's lots of ways to reach out and fill your funnel with prospective employees. Um, But to get them to drop down to the bottom of the funnel and say, yep, of all my choices, you're the one. uh, that's, that's, That's the challenge that really only the leader can ultimately answer because they've got to build that culture day after day after day. And at some point, I mean, I've got I've got clients who they don't have that problem because there are other employees. They recruit people because they talk about this is the place I want to work.
1: Well, it's I think it's it, first of all, it's not totally different than attracting customers. And I'll tell you, you know, a quick story about being relevant is a couple of years ago, we, probably five years ago, we did a survey. And one of the focuses was on digital marketing and social media and so forth. And I had an agent, an independent agent in Minnesota mm. asked me, we talked about uh, Facebook. And she said, do you mean to tell me that if I have a Facebook page, I will sell more insurance? And I gave, you know, everybody's favorite answer, which was maybe. Now, there are <laughs> some agents out there yeah,
0: right. that
1: are going to tell you, yes, we use <laughs> Facebook and we have Chatbots and and you know someone managing our Facebook Messenger and we do all marketing and yes we absolutely sell you know insurance through Facebook that's great but I think the reality of it and this this was a consumer facing study that we did by the way and what we got back was at the time is that when you're looking to do business whether it's with a you know your local insurance agent accountant attorney and referrals and recommendations are great but it, naturally consumers go and Google you know. Let me look up this business. And if you find two, that's two agencies, and one is on an old GeoCities website, doesn't have a social presence online, and the other's got a slick website with with features, and it's got, you know, active Facebook page or Instagram, you know, these sorts of things one of them is going to be more relevant to that consumer than the other. So is that, you know, is there a direct link? You know, that's, that's a tougher, that's a tougher question, but well, the indirect link, well, is it's true with employees. employees. I want to work there. I want to work at this slick place.
0: I'll throw in one more piece. You know, in addition to technology, I mean, we talk about technology a lot, right? Like communication technologies. We've we've spoken about a social presence on a website and um, you know, your Facebook page. Uh, but, but ultimately Um, the the technology the technologies are vehicles through which you deliver content. And so an agency's ability to craft thoughtful content that solves problems at different stages of their customer journey. um, There's no substitute for that. That, 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 that is an, that's an advance. I mean, um, you know, I, I used to do it and I had clients who did it, let's say, 20 years ago. That was pretty old school technology. You know, my relationship with the PIA magazine or Rough Notes magazine or something like that. That's pretty old school technology. Now, if I have something I'm working on. So, for example, I'm working on a project right now and I'm just doing it online. I'm, I'm, I'm building it online. Now, Here's what I've done. I, I reviewed the transcripts and the conversations I had with 200 people like you, the, um, the guests of, of the podcast series. And I asked myself, okay, I've done, had over 225 of these conversations. What are the big lessons that I've learned? And so, boom, I don't have to wait for a magazine. Um, I, I can sit down and begin to clarify my thoughts, um, tell my following that, hey, take a look at this and tell me what you think. And, and I can just do that instantaneously. So the ability, you know, again, I, I want to make sure that when people think about technology, and uh, particularly communication technologies, and when I think about the, uh, you know, that maybe it doesn't have the leverage. The leverage comes from not just not just the tool you use to deliver it. It's what you have to say. Yeah. So.
1: Absolutely. All right. I, that's I, a, it's an excellent point. Excellent point.
0: Maybe a topic for another conversation, but it's one that I feel strongly about. So um, there was one other thing that um, I thought was interesting. It it was under uh, biggest challenges where 37% reported that one of their biggest challenges was competition from online and direct carrier competitors, presumably like the direct channel mostly, right? Right. Uh, I thought that was interesting. What were your What's your reflection on that one?
1: Uh, that's pretty standard. Um, <clears throat> for every survey we do, we hear uh, that you know you're taking they're taking on marketing machines, um, and there's you know going to be constant threat and rate war and so forth. At the the same percentage, by the way, it was thirty eight percent was business development growth is a challenge. So, you, you know, you the, as you you indicated the number one response there with the talent, which is true, that cleared through fifty percent was fifty three percent. But the next two were neck and neck. It was a competition from the online, you know, direct writers, um, but with the with the need for uh, business development growth and there's some other questions on, you know, where where are you going to find new business and is it kind of more of the same daily grind? Are you going to go after a niche market? So, um, you know, I think that the 38% show me that agents are hungry and they they're still out there looking for new business development. Some of the other questions show how they're doing that and what they're after, but. There is a pretty steady um, feel of competition from those online direct carriers, and that's pretty consistent.
0: Okay, year over f- year. F- f- fair enough. I'll just throw this on the table for the listeners. Those those are very serious marketing machines with very big budgets, and they know exactly who their demographic is. And in most cases, their perfect demographic is not your demographic. Um, not the demographic that that will most richly reward the independent agency system. And so if you can put your brain around that one, that provides hopefully some strategic direction because to a large extent, they're really not our our competitors. They compete for a different clientele. Let them have them. They do really well with them. We do really well with people who prefer the agency channel. Who are they? They're a little more upmarket. They they actually care about insurance. Uh, They don't buy it because the law requires it. They don't buy it because their lender requires it. They buy it because they know what it does. And uh, if they're well served and if they're given the confidence that comes with relationship, they're going to reward you really richly year after year after year. So in some ways that reflects to me that Almost forty percent of our uh, of, of our um, uh, our own uh you know customer base uh, of of the independent agency system has not really gotten crystal clear on um their strategic imperative boom I'll leave it at that if anybody wants to know my real opinion reach out to me personally
1: <laughs> but I feel, I wish, I I feel pretty strong so what's that I wish you weren't so shy Yeah, right
0: okay so um all right, Mike. So let's I'm going to I'm going uh, to wind this part of the conversation up. So when you look at this survey and the kinds of things that agents have said to you, to the PIA and to PC 360, and I, I also thank them or ALM, I think they've done a tremendous job. Um, what would you say? What What do you think? What do you think really matters that the agency principle should hear and pay attention
1: to you know i think there's significant excitement opportunity enthusiasm you know and confidence in this channel where you know we talked about the you know the pe backers that are coming in but there's retail to retail transactions there's hybrid transactions we're seeing carriers that traditionally had not been in the ia channel acquiring other carriers that are in the ia channel Um, and this survey, when you couple it with the evolution of the agent through COVID, that they adapted, they evolved, they grew, uh, that just speaks to the quality of the channel, the quality of the agents and the principles that are in this channel. And there's a lot of uncertainties, not just in this channel, mm-hmm. but in the entire business community. And uh, there's that's a little unnerving sometimes. And I get that. Um, and, I, and I feel it too. But I am really... Uh, excited and, and confident about you know the future of the channel and the evolution. I think the evolution and continued evolution is is critically important, and, and you know that change will continue, and uh, we need to keep up with it so we can meet the needs and the expectations of the changing consumer uh, expectation. Uh, so, so I am um, excited. I'm not surprised in the sense that agents adapted, evolved, and met the challenge in front of them. That didn't surprise me in the least bit. It just restored my faith and confidence in exactly what I knew about uh, the agent force that we get to work with on a daily basis. Well, let
0: me bounce this one last thing off of you. I, in um, last fall, I facilitated a panel at InsureTech Connect, and it was comprised of uh, mostly carrier representatives and one InsureTech. And the question for the panel, was um, what do you see as the future of the agency distribution system? Here's my sense of, I'll sum it up, um, that overall, they're, they feel pretty robust, pretty optimistic about the channel, but not necessarily for every single player in the channel.
1: You know, change, we talk about change, and a lot. Change for the sake of change. <sighs> is not the best thing in the world, but meaningful change is critically important to our success. And we have the benefit of a lot of data in front of us. This industry, you know, hasn't been known for change, but it has been known for data. We're pretty good with data and we're getting better with it every day. And, uh, you know, we need to make sure that the Asian population is, is you know, we're, we're providing them the information that enables them and empowers them to understand and listen to their customers, so they can meet the expectation of the customer. And if you do that, and if you keep up with the change, and it's tough, but use the tools and resources and information available to you, uh, you're going to be successful in this channel. And there's been a lot of curveballs thrown out at this industry over many decades, including the past couple of years. And and it's the channel has proven that they're capable of change, and when they change, and when they keep up, and when they meet, and you know, and and really rely on that strength of the relationship and the advice and counsel and the service that they provide, they do quite well. And that's not going to go away. I don't see that going away at all. I do see the industry continuing to change and go through an evolution, but I think when we talk again next year and in five years and in 10 years and 20 years, we're going to be talking about the same thing, but the quality of the independent agent and what they do to service their customer and, How they service may change, but the quality and expertise and the advice and counsel that they provide, I don't think it's going away and it hasn't gone away. And that's the kind of the special sauce of this industry. It's the quality quality of the people that we have behind it.
0: Okay. Um, I have one last question. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what are you excited about um, what's happening at the PIA these days?
1: You know, we have been, uh, you know, we look at these surveys as an organization year over year and uh, really try to help our independent agent members take on their daily challenges. And uh, we have some great programs out right now. Um, I'm going to tell you two of them real quick. And uh, one is a content program. And, you know, you talked about it. There's a lot of vehicles to deliver communications out there, but what's the quality of the content? Um, And we have some great content to make that easier uh, for our agent members. Uh, one of them is a, a Be Independent campaign, and we're providing videos and, and social content about the, what is an independent agent, why do you want to work with one, and we're providing uh, a library of resources of social content and blog posts and uh, infographics on uh, kind of best practices and tips that are consumer-facing to, uh, to help you market your agency. The other thing is that we're helping you protect your agency, and actually, we have a brand new program out. It's uh, put together uh, by the PIA Partnership. Which is our national carrier council? They come together, and in the interest of our independent agent, uh, they're appointed agents and our members, often the same pot of agents. What can we do to help them out? Well, we put together a program called uh, Cybersecurity Defense. It's winning at Cybersecurity Defense, and it's a slate of uh, just uh, resources to make you, the agent, an expert um, at, at cybersecurity. It talks about the top seven exposures, what they are, claims examples, how to understand them, quizzes you can take to make sure you understand them. Uh, we've partnered to do agency uh, cyber assessments that we'll provide our members. And of course, we've coverages to buy and to sell because that's, uh, you know, we didn't talk about it today, but that's another threat that's out there. And we want to make sure that we're helping our independent agent members um, protect their agencies so they can service their clients moving forward. So a lot going on as Terrific. always.
0: Okay. Well, Mike Becker, thank you uh, for returning as a guest. Um, as always, I appreciate your wisdom and your insight. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. Thank you, Michael.
0: Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.